We're getting so much better at the clapping. I'm so proud of you guys. Uh, they're going to, people's going to start confusing us for Pentecostals before it's over with. So, <laughs> I mean that in the nicest of ways. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 20, and that's where we get to start a new chapter this week. And we're going to look at one of uh, a parable that Jesus told here, a story that he told. And I think it's one of the most surprising stories that Jesus ever told. I really, I think it's shocking. I think as we read this today that it might shock you where you see it. That you're going to say, I've never heard anything like this before. And I think it was meant to do that. That you're going to sit there and, and maybe it'll, it'll not sit well with you. That it's going to uh, bother you a little bit. And I know it's going to challenge the way you think about God. And that's the whole point of this parable is that we get challenged in how we think about God. This is going to be a deeply, and, and I, I don't want to turn anybody off just yet, but it's going to be a deeply theological question, which theology is our study of God. So we're going to deeply look at the, the character of God and what kind of God he is. And I'm going to ask a question today that I've asked so many people this week, but I want to ask you this question. Don't answer it yet. Wait till after the sermon and answer this question. And the title of the sermon is this question. Is God fair? That's the question. And we're going to study this passage, and at the end of the passage, I'll give you my thoughts on it as we look at what I think the passage teaches, but I want you to answer it. I know you're going to have an initial answer. Uh, don't, don't do that. Don't, don't have a knee-jerk reaction and, and give me an answer. But as we study this, I want you to answer for yourself. So let's stand together and let's read this parable as we answer the question, Is God fair? Because uh, there's going to be a, a, a worker in here that's going to uh, accuse God of not being fair. So we get to ask that question. So starting there, Matthew chapter 20. I've got a lot of verses we're going to try to cover today, so we want to go fairly quick. Starting in verse 1 of Matthew 20, it says, For the kingdom of heaven is likened to a man that is a householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said unto them, Go ye also in the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, I will give to you. And they went their way. And again he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour, and he did the same thing likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle. And he saith unto them, Why stand ye here all day idle? And they said unto him, Because no man hath hired us. So he saith unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right, that shall ye receive. So when evening was come, the Lord of the vineyard said unto his steward, Call the laborers, and give them unto the first. And when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny, the same. But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more because they worked longer, and they likewise received a penny. And when they received it, saying, Thou hast wrought, the last hath wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden of the heat of the day. Verse 12 is them saying, That's not fair. We worked all day, they worked one hour, everybody gets the same pay. That's not fair. And he answered, and said, answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Dost not now agree with me for a penny? Take thine is and go thy way. I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. If I will with mine own. Is thine eye evil because I am good? So the last shall be first, and the first last. For many be called, but few chosen. Let's pray together, and we'll answer the question, Is God fair? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. And I'm thankful that primarily it teaches us 
who you are and what you're like. That we would have no idea what our God is like if it had not been revealed to us through your word. And God, there's many ideas about God, but we want to know the true God. We want to know what you're like. We want to know your character and who you are. We want to know who we worship. So God, teach us this today. And I I want to do, uh, help me to be very careful with this, because I want to teach people about you. Not my thoughts of you, but what your word says about you. So help us, God, to to see you today in all your glory, in all your grace, and all your goodness. So teach us today through this passage. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Uh, JFK was quoted as to have said, Life isn't fair. It never... Uh, and that's a quote by uh, former President JFK, and I think that's a quote that every single one of us understands. We've all heard it, we all learned it at a very young age. I think one of the first lessons that my kids learn is that life isn't fair. And I know they've learned that because I hear over and over and over and over, and I, I'll say it again, and over and over. Life isn't fair. Not fair. Classes, and we're trying to divvy that out to to seven of us in our house. Somebody's going to be screaming before peace. Be riding down the road, and and we'll turn the road. Not fair. We don't say. We think a lot of times life isn't fair. I think we can go about our job and somebody get a promotion that, that we think we deserve and they pay like a kid will. And then you have to pay. I don't, I don't think it's fair at all. Every time we have to pay taxes, my, out of my mouth, I only within us that we, we create Santa Claus that if you're if you're good he'll give you gifts if you're bad he gives you coal and you look at that and say Santa Claus is incredibly fair he doesn't give bad kids gifts he doesn't give good kids no gifts and Santa Claus has to be fair we have this idea within us that we get what we earn we get what we deserve we get what we work for and we get what we achieve and if we don't it's not fair But we must ask now, but is God fair? Is that how God works? And the immediate answer would be, of course God's fair. He has to be. That's your first answer, but is he? And my question is, not only is God fair, but do we want God to be fair? Do we want God to give us, get this, because what's fair is, I get what I earn, I get what I deserve, I get what I achieve, I get what I work for. That's fair. Do we want God to be fair? Do we want God? And I want you to think about this. Do we want God to give us what we deserve? Do we want God to give us what we earn? Do we want God to give us what we work for and what we achieve for? Is that what we want? Because John MacArthur said this, fair sends everybody to hell. We don't want fair. We want grace. And I think that's true. 
I think that we want, we don't want God to be fair with us because if He's fair, I deserve hell. If He's fair, I've earned hell. If He's fair, I've worked for hell. If He's fair, all of us, every one of us goes to hell. We don't want fair. We want grace. And that's what we're going to see in this passage today, that God isn't fair. God is gracious. And that is the greatest news in the history of the world. That God is gracious to us and He gives us, get this, get this, He gives us, that's what grace is, He gives us what we don't deserve. So we want God to be gracious, not fair. And that's exactly what this parable is going to teach us. Because as we look at the context of, of this passage, we've got to go back into chapter 19 because they're all connected. I want you to see that. Look at verse 30 of chapter 19. But many that are first shall be last and the last shall be first. And then you go to the last verse that we just read in verse 16. So the last shall be first and the first shall be last. So they're interconnected. You can't just read it on its own. So let's go back to chapter 19 and see what's going on. Because the disciples have seen some things that they thought wasn't fair. At the, at the beginning there of chapter 19 in verse 13, they brought children to Jesus. Children that had worked for nothing, earned nothing, achieved nothing, and Jesus looks at them and says, of such are the kingdom of heaven. They get in. Children that have earned nothing get in. And then immediately after that, we see a rich young ruler that comes to Jesus. And he's earned, and he's worked, and he's achieved, and he deserves. And Jesus looks at him and says, you are outside the kingdom. You're not allowed in. And the disciples are sitting there thinking, then who gets in? If the children have earned nothing and, and they deserve nothing and, 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 they, and they, they worked for nothing and they get in and then you're the rich young ruler. He's rich. He's young. He's a ruler. He's well behaved. He's religious. And he doesn't get in. That doesn't seem fair to us. Then who gets in? And Jesus says, okay, I like this. Let me explain it to you. And in verse 20, verse 1 of chapter 20, he says, For the kingdom of heaven is like. So what he's saying there is, here's how God works. In God's world, this is how it goes. In the kingdom of heaven, which is God's realm, this is how God does things. And it's so much different than how the world does things. So he's going to show us in this parable how God works. He's going to show us who God is. And it's going to, again, make us uncomfortable because we live in a world that says we work, we earn, we deserve, we achieve. And if we work hard enough, we get the promotion. That's fair. But God in His kingdom is so much different. He doesn't work on what's fair. He works on grace. So let's look at it. I want to get, I want to open up this parable to you. And again, this is a story, and I've, I've broken the story up into, into three sections so I can, I can answer this question. Is God fair? Let's look at the first section. I want to go verses one through nine as we work our way through this story. And I think the story will stick with you. You, you, you'll remember this story. I want to start with the generous pay. The generous pay of the householder here. And it says in verse one, for the kingdom of heaven is like. And anytime you see that, again, it's going to say, this is how God does things. It's not like you think he does. For the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is a householder, which went out early in the morning to hire laborers into his vineyard. So we have a householder. This is a, a very 
I would say a very rich man who has a lot of land and a large vineyard and, and he needs it worked. He needs somebody to go out into his, his vineyard and, and do the laborious, hard work of, of working the vineyard. So he goes out early in the morning. He takes the initiative, it says. I would assume that he goes out about 5 a.m. It says early. I would underline that. He's out very, very early. He takes the initiative to go out and look for workers to work his vineyard. They don't come to him. He doesn't send them a resume. They don't send him a resume. They don't come knocking on his door. They're not going to apply. He goes out and looks for workers. And I want you to know at the very outset that as you see a householder there, you can draw an arrow that says, this is a picture of who God is. When we hear about the householder in this story, it's a picture of God. This is, a, this is will show us the character of God. How God takes the initiative and God goes out and, and God is searching and, and, and God is looking for servants and He's going out into the field of the harvest looking for laborers for His harvest. So He goes out and He hires these lowly workers. And even, even in foreign cultures now, this is what they do. You, you'll have people that will line up early in the morning. They don't have a job. They're called day workers. And they'll, they'll line up in and, and, and groups and just sit there early in the morning waiting for people to come and hire them. And that's what's going on here. They're, there's, there's, they're in the marketplace waiting for somebody to come and, and to hire them. And then these people are lowly. They're desperate. They're pitiful. They're weak. They live day-to-day. They live uh, it's, it's paycheck-to-paycheck, but it's day-to-day paycheck. It's hand-to-mouth. What they get that day is goes in their mouth for food that night. And they have family sitting at home waiting on, on food so they can feed their kids. And there's, there's mothers and there's, uh, there's children sitting there thinking, okay, he's going out at 5 a.m. And we hope and we pray that somebody will hire him for the day. Because if he don't get paid today, we don't eat today. How many days could they go without food? And they're sitting there saying, God, please let him have, find a job just for today. Let him work for today. These people are desperate for work. It's almost like the people that you see on the streets, you'll see them up there at McDonald's. We'll work for food. That's what they're doing here. We'll work for food. And this householder goes out and he hires a group of workers at 6 a.m. It says there, our laborers into his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard. The day started at 6 a.m., so that's his first group that he hires. And he says, if you'll work for me today, I'll give you one penny. And it's not one penny like we think one penny. It would be one denarius, which would be a day's worth of money. It was good. It was generous. It was kind. It was a great raise. That's what a, a military soldier would get. would be one penny, one denarius. So when he went out at 6 a.m., he found some workers. He said, I'm going out and, and hiring more laborers. He goes, oh, what's this? I, I just want you to follow with me. The first is at 6 a.m. That's the start of the day. They work from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., 12 hours a day, six days a week. So he goes out at 6 a.m., hires the first workers. And then it says he comes back, you'll see that in verse 3, and he went out about the third hour. What's three hours after 6 a.m.? None. Okay, people are listening. Okay, and you're good at math. I love it. So he goes out at 9 a.m. Watch it with me. He goes out at 9 a.m., and he sees more workers standing there idle, holding with their signs, saying, we'll work for food. We'll work for food. I've I got to hurry through this. But So he goes out there and he says unto them, okay, go to my vineyard, and I'll pay you whatever's right at the end of the day. So they went out. This is such a generous man. Just keeps on going out. I don't think he even needed the workers. He just wanted to help the workers. Watch this. Verse, four, verse 5. 
And he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour. What time, what, what time are we looking at now? The sixth would be 12, noon. The ninth would be three. And he does the same thing. Every three hours, he goes back to the marketplace and hires people sitting there saying, we'll work for food. And they got the 11th hour. This, 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 is, this is switching it up a little bit. So the 11th hour, what would be the 11th hour or 12-hour day if they work till 6, 5 o'clock? He goes out and hires people to work for one hour. One hour. Five o'clock, the sun's already going down. Breeze is starting to come through. It's not sunny and hot. It's not a scorcher anymore. They've got one hour. And he says, why are you guys standing here all day? And they said to him, because no man's hired us. And he says, okay, go to the vineyard and I'll give you what's right at the end of the day. So generous. He just kept hiring and hiring and hiring. And he didn't have to do that. And then it becomes quitting time. 6 p.m. Long day. Verse 8. So when evening was come, the Lord of the vineyard said unto his steward, Call all the laborers, and let's give them their hire. Called everybody in. It's payday. And he says, here's how we're going to pay them. Let's line up the last first and the first last. It goes along with the same verse that we just read in, in chapter 19, verse 30. And it goes along with the last verse in verse 16. He's got the order switched up. We'll pay the, the, the ones that came in last, we'll pay them first. And the ones that came in first, we'll pay them last. And they're all lined up. And I want you to get this picture in your head. And he's got his, his uh, the guy paying them is sitting there with a bag full of money that has all those pennies or the denarius in them. And he starts with the, the ones who started last. And he's going to go all the way to the ones who started first at 6 a.m. And he goes down through there and he's giving them their money. This is so good. And he pays every man the same amount. The guy who worked one hour gets one penny. The guy who worked starting at three and went to six, three hours, one penny. And every single one of them that got this penny. Can you imagine the guy that worked for an hour thought, I'm not going to get enough to feed my family today. They're going to pay me less. There's no way I can. I've got, I've got mouths to feed. And he's sitting there saying, but I, I deserve it. I, I deserve less because I've worked less. And then all of a sudden, the householder says, here's a penny for you. He says, oh my, I didn't even work a whole day. But I got a day's wages. Oh, I'm so thankful. You're so kind and you're, you're so generous. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And then the next one. You work three hours, and you work six hours, and you work nine hours, and everyone I'm thinking, I didn't even work a full day, and you've been so good, and you've been so generous. What a generous pay you've given me. They're so happy. Amen. He didn't have to hire any of them, but he does. And every man receives the exact same penny. I'm going to give you a couple points here just to, just to apply it. You say, well, what's this story have to do with any of us? We have a God who goes out and he calls different people at different times of life. You understand that? He calls some at 6 a.m. Early, fresh, young. There's some kids that get saved at five years old. At the start of life. And they get to live for Christ their entire life. They live, and that is so good. That is so generous of God. That sometimes He calls the youngest of children to follow Him. We had one make a profession of faith last week, and I love that. Start young, start early, live for Christ your entire life. Then we have some that, that that's, that's the 9 a.m. group, and I, I've really got to hurry because you guys don't want to be here all day. The 9 a.m. group, and I, I would say that group is about teenager, college aged, 
That's a good age to follow Christ. Don't you love that God takes the initiative and calls some at a young age at the 6 a.m. hour and some at the teenage or college age at the 9 a.m. hour and he goes at 12 p.m. the noon group? That's your adult group. They're maybe out of college and they got a fresh family and they got kids of their own. And sometimes God calls those. I don't know what hour you're in or where God saved you, but don't you love that you have a God who takes initiative and calls some at a young age and some at a middle age and then some are at the 3 p.m. age. And I turned 40. I think I turned into the 3 PMH now. But I'm glad God called me young. But he calls some in the middle age of their life. When their hair starts to turn gray and their kids are getting older. And sometimes God saves people in the middle age. Amen. And sometimes God saves people at 5 p.m. Yeah. And I love that. I love that God is gracious enough to call some at a young age. And that is good news, that's great news, and that is generous of God. But there's also hope for those people who are on their last breath. I love that. There was, there was a man, the oldest person I could find. I googled it. Who's the oldest person that's ever gotten saved? And there's a tombstone in England that says this. He says, here, this man was saved at 103 years old. He said, here lies a babe, three years old, who died at age 106 by nature. Or just like the dying thief. That God called him and hired him and saved him at 103 years old. I'm not saying it's a good idea to wait till your last breath. I'm not saying that the Bible says that it's a, it doesn't say it's a good idea and that you should wait. And I'll wait till, I'll wait till, I'll wait till. But the Bible does give us examples to say there's always hope for even the man taking his last breath. At 5 p.m. I love that. But the, the next lesson is, our application, is God gives everybody the same. At the end of the day, on payday, which is in eternity, all that are saved will receive the exact same eternal life. No matter how long you work, no matter how hard you work, no matter what you think you've achieved and done, no matter what your Sunday school record is, no matter what your church attendance is, no matter uh, if you're a pastor behind the pulpit or a Christian in the pew, no matter if you're saved at five or you're saved at 85, no matter where you are, everybody in heaven has the same exact eternal life. That's, that's good news. All Christians get the same eternal life. The tax collectors and the prostitutes in heaven will be, have the same eternal life as the missionaries and the martyrs. Us in the 21st century with our ease as Christians, when nobody persecutes us, when nobody throws us in jail, and it's so easy for us to meet, we'll have the same eternal life as the 16th century reformers who were burned at the stake. Amen. We all get the same inheritance. We all have this, we'll, we'll be a part of the hallelujah chorus. We'll all have eternity with Christ. We'll all have the same eternal, or eternal life, whether we came to Christ hours before we died like the thief or whether we knew him for 80 years. Salvation is equal for all and gracious to all. That's good news. Galatians says this, For you are all the children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. And in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek, bond or free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. We, before I move to my second point, we love that. That there's no hierarchy in the church. Amen. There's no, I've been saved longer than you, so I'm better than you. Or I've done more than you, so I'm better than you. The old saying is at the foot of cross, it's all equal. 
The ground is, is level at the foot of the cross. And in church, and we need to be that church. This says, I don't care if you just got saved yesterday or you've been saved 80 years sitting in this same pew. It's all equal. Everybody gets the same eternal life. That should put a smile on all of our faces. But some don't like that. Look what it says. I'm going to move to the second point. The grumbling complaint. <laughs> the grumbling complaint. Who wouldn't like that? You, you tell me. Out of all those people that got paid, the, the one who, who worked an hour, the one who worked three hours, the one who worked six hours, the one who worked nine hours, the one who worked 12 hours, which one do you think is going to get mad about that? I don't know if you all are paying attention, but it's probably going to be the one who worked 12 hours and got the same pay as the one who worked and got one hour. Watch what it says. Here's the complaint. It says in verse... Verse 10, but when the first came, they supposed, they thought, well, I mean, as they're watching this go, they're sitting there thinking, that's what it says they supposed, or they're thinking about it, that they should receive more. So it started here, and they're, and they're, they're down here, and they're watching it. You know, they're kind of peeking around to see what everybody else got. And they're sitting there thinking, okay, he got one, he worked an hour. He got one and he worked three hours. He got one and he worked six hours. In their mind, they're sitting there thinking, if that's how he's working, then I'm going to get 12. I worked 12 hours. He's going to load me up. And he's sitting there and he's waiting. And, and all these, these forests are sitting there and they got their hands out and they're thinking, all right, give it to me. I'm getting 12 days worth now. And he comes along and he says, and one for you. <laughs> he looks up and he says, well, that don't make sense. And that's what he's thinking. Look what he says. He's thinking. He's supposing that we should have received more. But we just get one penny like everybody else in verse 10. And when they, they're like, what, what is this? They thought for sure they'd get 12 pennies. This, and this goes again back to chapter 19 where the disciples look at Jesus and says, Behold, we've forsaken all and followed you. What do we get? And he says, One? What is this? Watch what they do. <laughs> and when they received it, they murmured. And that's the word complaint. When they received it, they looked down and said, This is it. We deserve more. You owe us more than this. And I want you, again, I want you to think these are God's servants talking to God, and what God gives them, they look up at God and say, What is this? You owe us more than this. And the word murmur there is, I'm going to do my best to, to in the Greek, it's egon gingon. <laughs> and I said that that way on purpose because it's a word that means what you're saying as you say it. It's basically saying grumble, 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 grumble. I mean, that's how we grumble complain, ain't it? My kids, if you don't get them a PlayStation card, it's grumble, grumble, grumble. They know Greek and they don't even know it. <laughs> And that's what they do, right? And it's not even saying anything out loud. It's just, I, mean, I, I don't want to say it, but I got a, a penny. And, and it says they grumble against who? The good man of the house. The man who is so good to them. And they're grumbling against it. Like God has given us something that we don't want, that we don't like. God, you owe me better than this. How many people say that? We might not say it out loud, but God will give you a circumstance or a situation and you think, 
I deserve better than this. God, you owe me. Do you not see what I've done for you? We do that. You might have done that today. I deserve a better wife. We do it. It shows how unhappy they were with what God gave them. How unthankful they were. They should have went home with a song in their heart. They came saying, God, please, please give us a day's wages so I can feed my wife and feed my kids. Please. And when he hired them at the, at the 6 a.m. hour, I said, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. So we're oh, so thankful, sir. You, 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 you've been so good to us, sir. There wasn't no grumbling then. It was just gratitude before that. And then all of a sudden they start seeing what everybody else gets. And the, the gratitude at, at, the, at the guy who worked in it's like, okay. And they keeps on going. And now they, they watch what everybody else gets. And the gratitude slowly becomes grumble, 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 grumble. And that's where our grumbling comes from. Right. Not from what God has given us, but what we think God has given everybody else. We'll get into it. Could you imagine we would complain with what God has given us when He all we deserve, all we deserve from God is hell, and anything above that is gracious and generous. There's nothing for us to grumble and complain about. There's no song on these guys' hearts. There's no thanksgiving. It's nothing but grumble, 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 grumble. And then they do what you can't imagine somebody to do. It's one thing that when God does something, gives you a circumstance or a situation and you grumble about it and it's, it's under your breath and you're, you're not even really saying it. You're just disappointed with the good gifts of God. It's another thing to speak up about it. Can you imagine complaining to such a generous master? Watch what they say. It goes, watch, it goes from supposing, verse 10, they're thinking it. Verse 11, they're grumbling about it. Verse 12, they say it out loud. It says in verse 12, and they say, here's the complaint. These people worked one hour. <laughs> At the end of the day, when it wasn't nearly as hot, we'd done all the work. They walked out in the field and we'd done it all already. We were cleaning up. They didn't do nothing. They sit over there with a smile on their face thinking, Ooh, look what I got now. They only worked an hour. It says, well, look at us. We worked the whole 12 hours. We were born in the burden of the heat of the day. The burden is the work. The heat of the day was the conditions. We worked our toes off for you. And it was hot. See the sunburn? It's in the desert. There's no shade. We roasted all day. They worked an hour and it was cool. We worked all day and it was hot. And you gave us both the same you know what that is? That's not fair. How could you? How could you be that generous? How could you be that good? They think God owes them something for all they've done for Him. Goes right back again to those disciples that says, We've forsaken all and followed you. Shouldn't we get something special? Look at us. We're something. How many Christians do we know like that? 
We've worked. We've labored. Our conditions have been hard. I've had pastors say that. Well, your conditions in the Bible Belt, that's just easy. You should be in the mission field. And I agree, it's easy. But when you start thinking, look at all I've done for God. I need to get more. They missed the whole point. It shouldn't have been grumbling. It shouldn't have been grumble, grumble, grumble. It should have been thank you, thank you, thank you. They missed the important point of grace. God owes us nothing but hell. And anything more than that is from his gracious hand. Anything more than that. The breath that he gives you in the morning is grace. So there's the complaint. And I'll move to the last point. His gracious answer. Just if you're keeping notes, let me show you the generous pay. The grumbling complaint. Now his gracious answer. This gracious answer, he, he, he asks three questions. And these three questions puts every single one of us in our place. Starts there in verse 13. And he says, but he answered. Here, again, I said, his gracious answer. So he, he doesn't have to respond to them. You know what he could have done? Give me that back. Who do you think you are? Go. You guys, I should have left you in the marketplace. But he doesn't do that. He says, here's your answer. And he says, friend, which is his way of saying, listen up, buddy. I don't know who you think you are talking to me like that, but listen up. And he asks a question. Look what he says. I, I did thee no wrong. <laughs> I didn't do anything wrong to you. I gave you more than you deserved. Here's the question. Didst thou now agree with me for a penny? It's, it's a fair question. Did I cheat you? <laughs> no, nobody will stand before God and be able to look at him and say, you cheated me. And he looks at him and says, did I cheat you? Did I do something wrong to you? Did we not agree at the start of the day that you would work 12 hours and I'd give you a penny? Is that not what we agreed to? I gave you so much more than you deserve. You have no reason to complain. I've not done you wrong. So when we grumble and grumble and complain to God, and we look at him and say, that's not fair. God looks down and says, have I done you any wrong? Lay out your list and check it twice. Of all the ways that God has done any of us wrong, and it'll be the easiest list you've ever made. There won't be one, one thing on it. Right. No way, no how has God ever done any of us wrong. There'll be no person in hell that can look at God and say, you've done me wrong. Amen, right. In hell they'll say, you've done it all right. I deserve this. He says, I ain't done you wrong. You got exactly what we agreed to. He wasn't bad to them. He didn't cheat them. He chose them when nobody else would. He paid them more than anybody else would. What a gracious God it is we have. He chose us when nobody else would. He saw us when nobody else would. He gave us eternal life when nobody else would. All more than we deserve. This is his way of saying, don't you ever say I've not been good to you. We have not one complaint against God. If he damned the whole world to hell, no one could complain. Here's just some questions that people ask saying God's not fair. 
I mean, he's, it's not a question of why not pay me more. It's a question of why pay them at all. People will say, why does God allow evil in the world? Have you heard that one? God's not a good God because he allows evil to happen in the world. That's the wrong question. It's not why does God allow evil in the world. It's why does God ha- bring any good into the world? It's not a question of why, why send anybody to hell. The question is why does he send anybody to heaven? We, we have it so switched up. We think God ought to be fair. when it's, he's, he's pouring out his grace upon us. It shouldn't be, why doesn't God save all? It should be, why does God save anybody at all? That's the question. God hasn't been bad to us. So that's the first question he asks. I call that the fair question. And then I call the second one a free question because he looks at him and he says, look at this. He says, take what you have and go. I'll give unto them however I want to give unto them. And then he says, is it not lawful for me to do what I want with my own? That's his freedom to do whatever he wants to do, how he wants to do it. Is he not the sovereign Lord of the universe? Is this not his vineyard? Is he not the master? Can he not decide exactly how he wants to do things? I reward who I want to reward, how I want to reward them. It's the divine prerogative to do whatever he wants. We're just the clay and he's the potter that molds us. How dare the clay look to the potter and say, how did you make me like this? He has the freedom to do what he wants, how he wants, when he wants, with whom he wants, in whatever way he wants. He's the master. If he wants us to be born in the 1500s, so be it. If he wants to be me to be born in the 1980s, greatest generation ever, then so be it. If he wants us to live in America, it's his freedom. If he wants us to be born in Antarctica, that's his freedom. It's his sovereign prerogative. What's this? He can call the, the worst sinner in the history of the world, Saul, to reach the Gentiles and become Paul if that's what he wants to do. He can save a child at five years old or he can save a thief on the cross in his dying seconds if that's what he wants to do. He's a master. It's his vineyard. He will reward how he wants to reward. I mean, there you go. And we have no, no place to complain. And then the final question here, which really hits to the heart of the matter, Verse 15 says, isn't it not lawful for me to do what I want? And then that last question there at the end of verse 15, is thine eye evil? Because I'm good. He asks this question, heart searching. Why are you mad? Why are you complaining? Is it because I'm so good? So it says, are you mad because I'm good? Are you mad because I'm gracious? Are you mad because I'm, I'm generous? Why are you mad? And, and this is the heart of the problem of why they're complaining. It's not because God was gracious to them, because they're happy with what they got. They agreed to that at the start of the day. It has nothing to do with what God gave them. It has everything to do with what God shouldn't have gave everybody else. Because they thought, I deserve this. It's them that don't deserve it. These people didn't work for it. They didn't earn it. They didn't achieve it. They don't deserve it. That's what he says, your eye is evil because you don't like me being good to people. 
You like me being good to you. And this goes back to the disciples not liking Jesus being good to, to outcasts and sinners. How dare you be good to them? How dare you eat with them? How dare you go and, and be kind to them and reach out to them? How dare you accept children who didn't work and didn't earn and didn't achieve and don't deserve it? How dare you that we love it when God is good to us? We hate it when He's good to people we don't like. And that's what's going on here. It's not fair that you would bless somebody else. Huh. We're like this. We want God to be gracious to us. We want God to give them what's coming to them. Right? We want karma. We want, we want, we want our enemies out there to say, they'll get what's coming to them. And God saves them. And God changes them. God gives them the same reward that we get. When we ought to be so thankful that even our enemies are saved. We ought to be happy that God shows anybody grace. Whether it be at 6 a.m., 9 a.m., noon, 3 p.m. or 6 p.m. We ought to be so happy that God shows anybody grace. We ought to be cheering it on. And I'm not even talking about salvation. We ought to be cheering each other on. That if somebody in our church gets blessed, that we wouldn't say, they don't come to church as much as I do. How could God bless them? We ought to be saying, cheering it on, yes! I'm glad God is generous to you and gracious to you. That's what we ought to be, cheering each other on. Instead of grumbling, you know, they got a new car. They don't deserve that. I've been working harder than they have. I pray more than them. God, don't you know that I go to church three times a week? I read my Bible and I pray. Why are you blessing them and not me? I deserve it, not them. You say, I wouldn't dare say that, Josh. No, you just do. It's here, ain't it? Are you just mad because I'm good? As a pastor, and I got, I got some time, I'm going to linger. Could I, I've realized this, can I really ask God to send revival if I'm not happy if it comes somewhere else? You say, what do you mean by that, Josh? I pray all the time, God revive us. Yes. But would I be happy if God revived the church down the road? Or would I only be happy if he does it here? Amen. That I'd sit there and say, go, 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 go. Can't believe you revived that church. Can't believe they got so many people going down there. Can't believe they're saving people down there, baptizing down there. Don't you know how hard I work here? How much I study? How much I pray? How much I work? How I go knocking on doors? Don't you know? Grumble, 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 grumble. But God doesn't work on the fair scale. God works on the grace scale. Grumble, grumble, grumble. Look at that house they got. God, I deserve a house like that. Look at that car. Look at that job he got. Look at those clothes he wears. We didn't even do a talent. Why do you have to gift him with that? Why did I have to have a singing voice? Why does he have the gift of preaching? I could do that. Grumble, 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 grumble. I deserve better than what you're giving me. And they deserve worse. <laughs> Is that not how we do? And then he closes... And I'll close with this. I think this is the best part. Maybe you haven't liked any of it, but this is the best part. He says, so the last shall be first and the first last. 
You, you with me on that one? Because I think this is a life-changing statement. The last shall be first and the first last. This is the way we ought to look at life. You say, what do you mean by that? We don't look at our, our life through the lens of fairness. Get this. And I think if you take this home, you'll, you'll get the main point. We don't look at life through the lens. If say, let's, say, let's say we've got glasses. And I don't, I don't want to do this, but say you've got glasses. And I, I, I've, I've called you out today that every one of us looks at life through the lens of fairness. We want everything fair. And when we do that and we wear the lens of fairness, then what we do is we say, I am last and I deserve to be first. And you spend your life grumble, 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 grumble. You with me? I am last and I deserve to be first. And you are so upset about it. It's like me saying, I deserve better this or better that. I'm here and I deserve to be there. I'm last. And God, I deserve to be first, so I'm going to grumble and complain and be upset about it. And I'm going to scroll through Facebook, because that's all we do when we're going to scroll through Facebook. Grumble, 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 grumble. Look how happy their family is. I've been a Christian since I was five. <laughs> I deserve better than that. Grumble, grumble, grumble. I'm last, and I deserve to be first. But God says that's not the way we ought to look at life. Right? That's not the lens. Just take those off. The fairness lens. And let's put on the grace lens, which says, I'm first, and I deserve to be last. And when you think about it that way, it's not grumbling that you'll do, it's gratitude that you'll have. When you look at what you deserve and what you have, and you see it all in that way. Because you can say... <laughs> I don't deserve my wife. The fairness lens says, when you say I don't deserve my wife, it's I deserve better than my wife. You take those off and you put on the grace and you say I don't, I don't deserve my wife. Do you see that? I'm not grumbling about my wife. I'm thankful for my wife. How about this? The fairness says I deserve a bigger church. I don't deserve my church. I deserve bigger. I deserve better. My people are so so hard. <laughs> You've given me bad sheep. <laughs> but you take the fairness off and you put the grace on. And this is probably going to be the screenshot on Facebook now. Me sitting here like this. <laughs> and you put on the grace lens and you say, I don't deserve my church. You see that? And you can do that through every part of your life. Whatever it is, the fairness lens needs to be taken off. And we need to put the grace lens on that says, wow, I deserve last. And God has been so good to me. And he's given me so much better than what I deserve. And that's the way we've got to look at salvation. Fairness says, God give me what I deserve. God give me what I've worked for and what I've achieved. God give me what I deserve. And that's hell. For every single one of us. Take those off. Put on the lens of grace. And you say, I've not earned it. I've not deserved it. I've not achieved it. I've not worked for it. 
But praise God, he gave it to me anyway. And you live your life not with grumble, 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 but with praise, praise, praise. Do you see the difference? He's trying to make these disciples see that it's not all about working and earning and achieving and deserving because that's the world they lived in. He wants them to see the world through the eyes of grace. Because that's the world God lives in. I love that. And this is only possible. (laughs) This grace is only possible because God didn't send us to hell. He sent us His Son. And God didn't punish me on the cross. That's why grace is available. Because I do think God, we may not say fair, but I know He's just. And just would send every one of us to hell. Fair would send us all to hell. But grace says Jesus paid it all. That He went to the cross and died for the sins that I committed. Think about it this way. That Jesus went into the vineyard and he worked harder than anybody ever worked. He did more than anybody ever did. He took heat that nobody ever took. He was the perfect worker. He worked the longest hours. Nobody ever did what he did. Nobody ever said what he said. He was the perfect servant of God. And at the end of the day, when he should have been paid all the riches of heaven. Think about it. He worked perfectly and deserved all the riches of heaven. We worked terribly and we deserved the punishment of hell. And at the end of the day, he deserved the riches and we deserved the punishment. And when God is giving out the rewards, he switched it up. And He gave me the riches. And He gave Him the punishment. It's the most unfair thing in the history of the world that He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might have the righteousness of God in Him. Wow! And He went to the cross and took what we deserved so that we might have what He deserved. That's amazing. And you know what that is? That's amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Do you see that? That's viewing the world through the eyes of grace and not through the eyes of fairness. That's why we sing amazing grace. Think about it. First guy could sing amazing grace. The, the guy who worked three hours would sing, Amazing grace! How sweet the sound! I don't deserve even a penny! Guy who worked six hours, same thing. At nine hours, same thing. But the guy at the end couldn't sing Amazing Grace because he singed through the eyes of fairness. Amazing fairness. No, no, no. Amazing grace. How sweet that sounds. I'm so thankful that God doesn't just leave us alone. That's what we deserve. When God calls us to himself, that's grace. And he does it over, and he does it over, and he does it over again. And today, I think he still calls. I think he's still the master that goes out and hires laborers. Is he not? 
We're here today and I think he's calling laborers. Here you are in the marketplace and some of you are here at 6 a.m. You say, what do you mean by 6 a.m.? Some of you are just little. Young. And I'll tell you today, if he calls you today like he did little Olivia last week, you answer that call and you live for him today and you live for him for the rest of your life and at the end of the day, it's all going to be grace. Do it now. Do it young. You could be the 9 a.m. Maybe you're a teenager. Maybe you're college age. Live for him now. Answer the call now. Well, maybe you're at noon and you're halfway through your life. Do it right now. Maybe you're three and you're getting a little gray in the hair and it's getting a little bit old and you're saying, my life is halfway gone already. Start right now living for Jesus. And maybe you're here today and you're at the end. And you say, I've lived a, a terrible life. I've, I've sinned every sin that anybody could ever imagine. And I tell you, if you're the 5 p.m. and you're at the end of your life, if you believe today, get this, all that sin that you've sinned from the, the day you understood until your 80th birthday where you are now, it'll all be wiped clean and you'll be given the same eternal life as a five-year-old. Because salvation is equal to all eternity. It's not because you deserved it or worked for it or achieved it. It's because God is incredibly gracious and grace is better than fair. That's the God that I wanted to preach to you today. And I hope you got it. And I hope whatever hour you're in today that you'd say, I'm going to answer that call. I'm answering that call because that call goes out. Who wants to come? That's what he did. I love mean, it at 6 a.m. Who wants to come? Anybody, anybody want to come? And there they went. 9 a.m. Who wants to come? And they went. 12. Who wants to come? 3. Who wants to come? And God is a God of grace who just hires and hires and hires and hires. But one day, he'll cut that off. And payday comes. And there's no more. So you better do it before it gets dark. 5.59. Bell's starting to ring. Boy, you better come. Because there's a time when God says, enough is enough. And I've been gracious to you enough. So answer that call today while the grace is still available. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the time in your word today. Uh, I, don't, I don't think I did it justice. But I think this is a phenomenal parable. That teaches a foundational truth for how we ought to look at life. I think it will change Christians if we just see what we deserve and what we got. So in the morning, help us all put on the glasses of grace. And take off the glasses of fairness. Help us to live that way. And God, for those in here that are unbelievers, and I don't know if there's anyone in here or not, but I'm going to assume there is. Maybe in here, maybe online, I don't know. But let them know, God, that wherever they are in life, that grace is available. Salvation is available no matter what they've done. It's not about working or achieving or deserving. It's about receiving salvation. It's, we're saved by grace through faith. And it's not of works lest any man could ever boast of what they've done. So God, may they receive it today by faith. And receive the same salvation that I have. The same salvation that everybody in here has. The same salvation that Peter had. Paul had. Charles Spurgeon had. Jonathan Edwards had. Would be available to them here today. Full 
forgiveness is available. May they call upon you today and be saved. May you call people to labor for you today. May you call people to salvation today. And we ask and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.